The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, December 28th, 2017, season 13, episode number 97. Welcome to another edition of Happy Break. birthday, Derek. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday, Derek. Y'all gonna to sing? You. Yeah, no. keep going. Keep going. I want to hear the whole song. Cumpleaños feliz. Tan, tan, tan. Te deseamos a ti. Tan, tan, tan. Yeah. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> Nick, you're not, there we go. Beautiful. Oh, now you got the real one. Beautiful. Beautiful. Sean Lee. Guys. Sean Lee? 50? Come on, man. <laughs> no. I'm not far, though. I'm I am not sad. far. I'm rounding, that, I'm rounding you, the corner. You, Rod Smith now? Rod Smith. Yes, I'm Smith. 45. Yeah. 45 years Rod old. Smith. No rounding the corner to 50. Huh? Yep. I didn't know if it was Alfred Morris or... I can't even believe that. Like, when I was a kid, when I thought about... 45 wow. or 50 i was like that's so ancient Grandpa, yeah. i do not you don't feel old like mm -mm. so you're you don't telling feel us like that shut up about 25 and 29 yeah exactly you don't you have <laughs> but no you clue. but i understand it like it, when you're 18 or 19 you think 25 is yeah. like old and yeah. 25 and 30 is you know so and you, 45 you like geez well yeah you're heading toward death you know <laughs> so Oh. But it doesn't feel like that. I still feel just as young and spry as I did when I was 20. Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> like when I was like 32. Maybe. I got out of bed this morning. I dev I slept in and I looked so at my I. phone and it was like, Derek Eagleton just completed a run. So Hey, I got to sleep in though before I got that run. That's always a good thing. Good for you. Bro. My family isn't in town right now. So I actually got ah. to sit and watch in front of a fire, watch the, the Texas game last night. They get a win. <laughs> so you're tweeting good, about it. Eat some good papados and... Man, it was a good evening. Sounds like a great evening. It was a good mm. evening. Family will be back today, so then I get to celebrate with them tonight. Mm. All right, so let's talk some. <laughs> what was that? I don't know, but but you know what? It was a bad timing for that. It was I really... really bad timing for that. <laughs> yeah, I need to be in my personal business. Like, I'll All say right. it for myself. Mm. All right, <laughs> All right let's get to some. Uh, let's get to some Cowboys football. Um, I want to talk about Des Bryant. We talked a little bit about this yesterday, but then the the media got to the locker room, and so they had an opportunity to talk to Des, and uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, I'll just uh, let's listen to what he had to say first, and then we'll kind of dissect some of that. I think Ken has some of that audio pulled up. Ken, what do you have? Yeah, so I have. This is the first cut when he was initially asked about why he's frustrated and why he wanted the media to be around his locker for the next ten minutes or so. so. All right season I, I feel like for the most part um i can only I can, I can only do what you know i can control yeah in bit of times hell yo you know frustrating you know you know certain situations you know that i couldn't control but other than that um i believe who i am i'm a i'm a hell of a football player i know that i believe that you know i let a lot of things get in the way that um bother me mentally and um you know, um, I feel like um, if anything um, I need to deal with in off season, you know, is that, you know, just like I said, you know, um, only certain things I can control. That's it. All right. That was Des Bryant in the locker was, room yesterday. That was the theme. That was the, the theme of the day. What? Control it. Control what I can control. That's you know, it. he actually tweeted that two, yeah. two or three days ago. I know. How'd that go? But then Dag said the same thing. He meant, he said that same quote, too. Control what you can control. Yeah. So let me ask you Almost this. like somebody around here repeats it all <laughs> right. the time. Yeah, but it did, it did to me, and, and Des even talked about this a little later, it did seem like they were pointing to the fact that there were things that are beyond their control that are causing a certain amount of frustration. Um, and it sounds like it's more with re regard to scheme and, and kind of some of the things that are that maybe the offense that's happening within the offense that they can't control, which then points immediately to the offensive coordinator. Did you guys get that impression? Um, and if so, do you think that that maybe creates um, a little bit more of a tough situation for the offensive coordinator? Because obviously Jerry would at some point I would assume and, and Des said he's gonna talk to Jerry that, that at some point this gets back to Jerry and Jerry maybe thinks, Hey, yeah. I need to keep my players happy. Yeah, I mean I didn't take much of it. I mean it, it's like are you gonna say something or are you not? I mean 
you know, it's no one likes the implier. You know, <laughs> they, they don't. Says the implier. So say it. I mean, like, what is it? What do, what can you control? Because really, you're talking to a group of people who are going to report it to a larger group of people that just see dropped passes. They see the ball hitting your hands. They see, you know, plays over the middle where, you know, and, and the deep ball in the Giants game it hits you right in the face. I mean, they just that's what we see. So what else is there, you know, and is there something else? And, and you're not really saying it. It's just kind of vague, like, well, there's there's more to it. You don't know. And, well, no, we don't know. But so and they get mad at the media for speculating, but that's really all that they're left to do. And then I, I know later he said some other things, but there's a, you know, that about injury. But I don't know if we're going to get to that. Yeah. But, but that's that's not a good thing either. Well, yeah. And to your point, like. No, I didn't come away with the impression that you did at all because okay. the stuff about the scheme and Scott Linehan came about 8 to 12 minutes into a 16-minute press conference, and it's almost to a point where it's like, well, what's bothering you, Des? Is it is it the scheme? Yeah, like that's part of it. Is it like is it the outside noise? Yeah, that's part of it. Like it's just so there were a lot of things that were bothering him, not just the I, scheme. It, I thought it was so close to being a really good and productive media session, but like like – Dez had the wherewithal to know that he was getting roasted in the media and by the fans, and he wanted to address it, and he wanted to speak his piece. Which is smart. He really hasn't been visible in the media this year. I even went back and looked. He's tweeted like six times since the season started. He hasn't done very many press sessions. Like He's been real under the radar. And he comes out, and like I said, it was so close to being good, but he just kind of tailed off. He was like, well... I let some stuff bother me. Well, what bothered you? Did the scheme bother you? Did it bother you that you weren't getting enough touches? Did it bother you that people were talking mess about how you're not good anymore? Like what? What was it? And he never really elaborated on that. He kind of and it, it kind of said all of it. I, yeah, he he basically was like, stuff's been bothering me this year, and I don't want to talk about it. But that's pretty much where I'm at. And so then again, that leaves a situation where it's like, well. Is it this? Is it that? Have you been healthy? No, I haven't been healthy. Are you pissed about the scheme? Yeah, I'm pissed about the scheme. I'm going to talk to Jason and Jerry about that. Like, and, it, and then it just becomes a little bit of everything because he didn't really finish his thought, in my opinion. But in saying, yeah, it's the scheme and I'm going to talk to Jerry and Jason about it, that's the part that, to me, kind of signaled that he at least feels like this is more about what's being done to him than what he's doing. And in that case... If that's what he's communicating to Jason and Jerry, does that affect Jason and Jerry's opinion on what they need to do as far as who's coordinating or how they're coordinating? Because they may decide, hey, we're going to keep Linehan in the same role he's in, but maybe that means we got to get Des more involved because we feel like we're not using an asset at its at its fullest potential. I just I if that was like this big deal and this central theme, I feel like it would have been higher up the list. I mean, I'm like, we went down the check mark and it, it came way down at the bottom, you know, yeah. and I don't think Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones need Des to talk to him to know that the way the passing game looks isn't going to cut it if you want to win games in the NFL. So I didn't that didn't resonate that much with me among, among the two dozen other things that we talked about. That's just me, though. All right, let's uh, let's hear another clip. There was a clip where uh, Dez talked about the contract, and we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Uh, what did he have to say about the contract, Kent? He was asked if he would consider a pay cut, and this was his response. No. They come to you for a pay cut. Are you cool with that? Um, whenever um, I haven't had no, I haven't heard no talks about that. But if it come, if it come, well, I don't know. Probably not. Hell no, nah, man. <laughs> I believe in me. Yeah, I love that was way, so funny to me. I love the way he kind of came to that <laughs> out loud, like he thought out loud in, in front of the world, basically. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, maybe we'll talk about. Eh, I don't know about hell. No, you're not taking my money. <laughs> you know what it was? And somebody tweeted this to me. They were like, as he was talking, he literally thought about the amount of money that he would be giving back, and it got to wait. Wait, whoa, whoa, hell no! I'm not giving my money back. What? Gotta take that money from me. I'm yeah, willingly signing it over to you. But I thought it was interesting, especially coming out of the conversation we had yesterday on the air, Nick, uh, when you were like, "There's, there's." What was, I, I don't I just, want to I said, what were what were your words? I said I don't think he, uh, there's any way he's going to play for that that uh, cap hit. And you're thinking from the standpoint of the organization, there's no way that they're going to go into next year with the contract as it currently is. I don't think so. I, okay. I think you have to you have to cut him or you have to ask for a pay cut. You, 
I don't really think you should restructure. I mean, that's one way to do it. Just restructure it lower, but that you don't want to do that. You want to, you don't want to add years to this situation uh, with these getting up there in age. And, you know, there was a time where we thought he was kind of injury prone from a back standpoint, but that really hasn't flared up on him. But I, I just think that, you know, going back to what we said before, getting open the scheme and all that, like that, that all sounds good. Because that used to be the issue, but now the biggest issue is just making plays, like like catching the ball. Like he, he he's been so sure-handed over the course of his career, but now you almost feel like there's a confidence issue there. And the fact that he called reporters over there, he's never done that before. And I think what Dave said was right. I think he threw out this this simple tweet that said, "Hey, I only can control what I can control," and I bet ninety percent of the responses were, "Why don't you just control the football when it comes your way?" No doubt. Why don't you control the pass? I, I read ninety percent of the responses, it, and they and and it. that's different for him. Yeah, to be to be on the other side of things, and I think he attempted the best he could to kind of reel this back in his favor, but it's hard to do that. It's not. It's not. It's hard to put it. And it also tells you, and and this I think is really true. Everything that we see from the standpoint of how players play, there's a lot more complexity to just they played well or they didn't play well. And I think in this instance, what he was trying to express is some of those other things that may have affected his ability to play well. Now, whether whether they like there are varying degrees to how much it affected it. Right. Like there can be a little thing over here where, yeah, I may have had a little injury that could have affected a little bit or it could have been the scheme affected it a lot. You don't know what the varying degrees are. But it's more complex than just saying a guy played well or a guy didn't play well. There are lots of reasons as to why that can take place or not. And I think he and I think a lot of players at times feel like when they're getting really roasted by fans and media, they feel like they got to have to explain. And sometimes it can work against them because then it feels like they're just making excuses. right? Well, and that I mean, a lot of what Des said yesterday felt like excuse making. There was some there was some good stuff in there, but a lot of it felt that way to yeah. me. Um, but then you know at the same time, I think Des he's he's way too good of a team player. Like he's not gonna go out there and just throw people under the bus. Like, but I felt like he he, he wanted, wanted to. to. He kind of <laughs> right. wanted to. He was like yeah. he was at the brink. If I really speak my mind and really try to exonerate myself, it's gonna not look good for a lot of other people and probably not for him and 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 to his credit he didn't do that but like i said you wind up just trying to it's like guess what's bothering des like you're just kind of well is it this is it that is it that i mean in the long run it's a it's a good thing like i i think it's a good thing for him that he didn't do that but it leads to frustration on our part because we don't really have much clearer of an answer than we did so at this point based upon what he said yesterday do you believe, I guess, Nick, do you still believe what you believe? And also beyond that, do you guys believe that Dez ultimately ends up in a standoff with the team and maybe not on the team um, if that's the case? Can we do a first? You already said what you think. Can we do like a first take thing here? Sure, absolutely. I think Dez is going to play 2018 at his current value. I, I do. I, here? Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot like the Brandon Carr thing where we talk about it till we're blue in the face and then nothing ultimately happens. Like, that's what I think is going to happen. So, if, if that happens, what, what changes? What, what would change? Because uh, I'm, I'm o- open to that happening if you bring in a different coordinator that can come in specifically and have to do things to try to get Des the ball. You know, or, or I don't know. You got to do it. I mean, he's not, he's got to get his confidence back up. You got you to fix it somehow, some way. And I, I don't, Here's my problem. You can, I mean, you talked about trying, or him himself talks about trying to get the ball more. Or there was a question in, in there, too, where someone asked him or told him, like, you, you know, you went into training camp knowing that this was a running game offense. You've seen the offense or Dak trying to get him the ball plenty of times, and you hear about that on Twitter over and over, like, why do they keep trying to force it on this? And... Yes, there are many other factors and a lot more into the whole scheme and all that. But the reality is the times that he does get the ball where he should catch that and he doesn't, he drops it. That goes that's that has nothing to do with scheme or anything. That's just basic wide receiver um abilities. Except he may make the claim when I'm like pining to get the ball, when I haven't gotten the ball till for the first time until the second quarter. 
I'm not as into the flow of the game, and that's when mental mistakes happen. Now, again, that's all excuse-making to yeah. some degree, but I'm just saying I, I think that, again, I don't, I, it doesn't strike me as – and I, to be honest with you, I'm not even going to single out Dez. There are a lot of players on this team that aren't the first ones to step up and say, my bad, no excuses, my bad. Like, that's not what we hear from this locker room very often. Typically, if we hear anything, it's more in line with – well, this is why, or this was going on, or this was going on. So, yeah, he's probably not going to say that, but there's probably some some of that's probably what he's thinking, that, hey, if I was in the, involved in the game from the very beginning, maybe I don't have all these like, mental mistakes because year, I'm more in the flow of what's going on. Compared to last year, was he used more than this year? Probably not so. Effect, I think he probably got more targets. Wise. I don't know that for a fact. Do you guys know that? I don't know his targets off the top of my head, but he had fewer receptions. He did. I mean, he missed three games. Actually, yeah. But I looked it up though. He averaged, he averaged three point eight receptions per game last year, and he's averaging four and a half. I mean, it's not a. Big I want to say he's got more targets this year. I think I saw a, it, some kind of graphic that said he had a, right. a lot more targets this year You're probably than right. last year. Um, it felt like that certainly at the beginning of the year because there were games when he was getting what he had a game where he t- got targeted twenty times or something like at that. Denver, yeah, I mean, so so yeah, he's he was getting targets. Well, this that's year. where I'm going at. It's yeah. like it's not that they're not giving him the chance to. Yeah. It just hasn't worked out. Whatever wonder, the reason is, I wonder if like twenty eight more, twenty eight more targets, ninety six last year, one twenty four this year. That's a lot. Keep in mind he's played three more games too. So, but still, if you just take those, if even if you take. Like the average and take three out, like that's still more, right? He had 159 targets in t- 2013. 159? Yeah, and 136 in uh, 14. And where is he this year? 124. So after this game, he'll probably have right there in line with the, what, 2014? Yeah, he'll right? probably be at like, I don't know, what, Philly? Um, what, 10 maybe? Yeah, probably. I'm guessing 10. I wonder if. I wonder if, like, they bought into their own hype too much in the sense that, like, it was like, well, last year, you know, rookie quarterback, we're just going to get take what we can get. You know, Dez, you're just going to have to play ball. And Dez played ball because he was still getting catches and touchdowns, and they were winning 11 winning. games in a row. Then you turn that around, and it's like, okay, year two, we're going to make the leap. Dak's no sophomore slump here, and that's got to be – I mean, Dez and Dak, and I mean, at least through the first like six weeks of the season, it sure looked like that. Where it was like, we got to get Dez the ball. Dez and Dak. I mean, you know how many how many of those first few games, you know, the Giants game, right off the bat, going to Dez like three times in a row in the red zone. The Denver game, it's like every throw he threw was in Dez's direction. Like, and it seems like they kind of corrected that as the season went on. But I like I, I think there was a little bit to that where you were just like, well. We got to make this happen, even if defenses, even if we know defenses are going to try to take it away. We got to make this happen. You think Dez is a Pro Bowl alternate? No. Yeah, you can say that. Like, no. <laughs> you think? I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't have the stats pulled up. Well, I mean, I don't. Wouldn't think so either. But he made it last year. Yeah, but I'm thinking like last year. There's he, nowhere he's he's not even top ten, is he? All I'm saying in is receptions or yards. Hold on, but or touchdowns. Hold on, he made the Pro Bowl last year. He had 50 catches, 796, eight touchdowns. I mean, I don't know how you're a Pro Bowl alternate for that, but he did, and he made it. This year, he's got 66 catches, 815, and six touchdowns. That's uh, that's my point, though. No, no, like, no. I'm just saying I, I I wouldn't think so either. But that is, I mean, last year. If, but he played well last year. Like, he really yeah. did. I think he it's was, what you saw. It, it, it didn't look like this year. No. You know? that that's If you were to make the Pro Bowl – that's just the epitome of like stat watching. Like I don't care what his stats say. He was bad this year by top receiver standards. He he was not a focal point of the offense last year, but he was good and he came up big often. Like I, I said I've said it like 3 days in a row now. Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Minnesota. He was like the only thing that was working for the offense in Minnesota. What, they scored 17 points. Did he have a single like what games this year? Was there a game where it was the Dez game at all? No. Um, and that's the that's the difference. He, he doesn't have a hundred yards. He had he had a, he had sixty yards, and I mean he broke he broke that gain in New York where he got him on the board. I mean that yeah. was probably the closest you could say. And that was his but, best play of the year by far. But it also that, followed, you're talking about the touchdown, the fifty some yard, yeah. But it also followed a play where he got hit in the face. The ball hit him in the face. Yeah, and he's on the sideline. Yeah. Was that, I, I'm struggling right now. He's got six touchdowns. Ah, uh, his. His touchdown against Washington was better than that touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. He had a 98-yard game against the Rams. 
73 against the Chiefs. Yeah, he played. I mean, he's had some, but there hasn't been a Dez game. Like, yeah, uh, but that I think the touchdown against the Giants that was vintage Dez. Make the catch, get a guy off you, and then run for a touchdown. Like that's Dez. Have we seen that at all beyond other than that game? Have we seen that this season? No. You know, and I think that's the part where Nick to answer your question. It, the reason why I think you become an alternate for the Pro Bowl is because people that watched him play last year saw Dez doing Dez things. This year, if you watch the games, no matter what the stats might say, you didn't see Dez doing Dez things very often. Right. right? All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, I do want to change the subject. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, who's playing this weekend. I know uh, J- Jason Garrett yesterday made mention of the fact that if you're able-bodied and you're out there, I mean, and, and you can be out there, you will be out there to play. We're going to ask you guys whether that's the right approach. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. It can be hard to find the right resource for learning about important financial matters. You search how to build savings, you end up reading about the one weird ingredient from supermarkets that can make you taller. That's why Bank of America built BetterMoneyHabits.com, a safe little corner of the Internet for answering your financial questions. Full of simple videos and tips, Better Money Habits can show you how to make the most of your money without resorting to random searches that always seem to lead to unbelievable photos of childhood stars grown up. To learn more, visit BetterMoneyHabits.com. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. Ice cold Dr. Pepper and the Dallas Cowboys go way back. They belong together, like Texas in football, silver and blue, shotgun formations and Hail Marys. Having a Cowboys football party without Dr. Pepper is like having Thanksgiving without the Cowboys. Basically, we wouldn't recommend it. So next time you have a tailgate, home gate, or whatever else kind of gate, grab some ice-cold Dr. Pepper for you and your friends to enjoy. It's a Dallas Cowboys tradition. Dr. Pepper, the one you crave. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields, and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeeredealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See you for details. Back to the break. Welcome back. It's the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're talking Cowboys. We're talking Des Bryant. Now we're going to talk a little bit uh, about the Eagles game. Yesterday, Jason Garrett says... Uh, that the able-bodied players will play, and there won't be a situation. This won't be a situation where, in the final game of the season, he sits starters in order to get young guys playing time or uh, to avoid potential injuries. What do you guys think about that? Just as a philosophy, what are your thoughts on that, Dave? I know you're pretty pretty strong the other way. What do you, What are your thoughts? I I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a potentially ruinous idea, really. In all, wow, that's pretty strong. Go take a look at uh, and this was in a game that mattered. This was in a game that had a lot of implications. That's not my point. But Carson Wentz tore his ACL two weeks ago. And now, I mean, you're in December. You're talking about when's he going to be ready? Uh, Robert Griffin, another again, a very meaningful game, a playoff game, but uh, jeopardized his whole offseason. You know, he was all in on opening day. He never really got back to form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I mean, Tyron Smith's probably not going to play in this game because he can't. So, I mean, you're going to send your quarterback out there. You're going to send your running back out there without all pro left tackle protection in a game that you stand to gain nothing from. There's, I mean, I don't buy the momentum argument because as soon as this game's over, you're, you're, you're off for seven months. Um, I get, I get that there's pride on the line. I get that there's fans that paid money to see this, but I just think there's, too much to lose and nowhere near enough to gain to just be willy-nilly throwing everybody out here uh risking injury in a game that ultimately doesn't add up to much and i'm obviously mathematically you can't sit every player on the team but i would go to great lengths to protect my good players in this game but does jason run the risk um we know because we're around here all the t-shirts and all the signs and everything that talks about 
maximum effort every day, no matter what the circumstance, whether you're playing on the moon or you're playing at AT&T Stadium or wherever else. I mean, the point is that what he preaches to them is every day we're going to show up and we're going to, because we're professionals, we're going to show up, we're going to do our jobs, we're going to do it extremely well every single day. And does that chip away at the message if he goes into a game where he says, well, this game, by virtue of sitting guys, is not as important, so let's not worry about it as much. Because that's really what the message is if you start saying, well, we're going to decide who's going to play and who's not going to play. I have my own thoughts, but I'm going to let – I mean, if Nick has an opinion on this, well, I'm going to let him go. I, I definitely think that, that they should they should play. Um, you know, I, there's probably a way to do it like they did last year's game where, you, you know, you're playing some guys and kind of see how the flow of the game goes. But, you know, I, I still kind of feel like – you know, Jason says it all the time. You know, you got 16 of these games, and – and I think you are trying to build towards next year, and especially with a guy like Zeke that's been out six weeks. And if you got a quarterback and a, and, a, and a wide receiver that aren't on the same page, I mean, you know, what what better way to try to do that than than you know play some football games? Uh, would would an injury be be bad? Yeah, it would be. It, but I I've, I think for the most part, I think I'm, I'm going out there. I'm, I'm trying to win this game. I think that Jason needs it. I think this team needs it. You know, and I I, I just. I keep harping back on you don't get many of these opportunities. This is and and you said it. Some of those arguments that you said, I I believe in. I mean, unless they're going to cut the prices of the game, you know, somebody's Christmas present was to go to this football game, and you know, you're not giving them full effort if you if you're not doing that. So I would play them this game now. If it got if somebody was banged up and limping around, then no, I'm not doing that. I understand that part, but Zeke's healthy. I think Zeke should play. It's my opinion. What were you gonna say? I, th- I thought about what really what you were saying is like, well, the, the message is maximum effort and blah, blah, blah. These guys are professionals in the other sense, too. Like if, if you can't separate, I, you should be able to separate these two things. Like you should you look at this and say, well, this is this is a different situation. Like this is this, this game has no implications in three hours. The season will be over on Monday morning. We're going to co- go in the locker room and clean out our lockers like I, I would like to think that you can draw a line. You should be able to draw a line between... Big difference between should and do, right? I mean, you're dealing with humans. You're dealing with people. You're, de- you're dealing with professionals, though. And I, I, I think there, you should be able to tell the difference between, like, you're a professional football player. And in some instances, I'm trying to think of an analogy for our careers, but, like, in some instances, this makes sense. And like I said, it's, these guys are assets, and it's asset management. And I think, you, you know... Dak Prescott might want to play in this game as a competitor, but I think he would understand fourth preseason game of the year. Absolutely, That's I think I think he would understand yeah. if they were like, hey, maybe so. maybe Dak. But I will tell you this, and you say you want to draw parallels to to just our our careers. I mean, the fact is, you'd be surprised when you've got a group of people. There are always people that you say they should know better or they should okay. understand this, and they don't. Because people are people, and people are going to draw whatever conclusion fits whatever narrative they want it to be in their minds. They're going to draw that conclusion. Okay. I can't speak for a room full of football players. But again, to draw an analogy to our careers, Christmas Eve, they play like crap. They lose by two possessions to the Seahawks to virtually end the season. And the mood, I mean, the line from our group in the press box is like, all right, Let's handle our business. Let's do what we got to do. But like, let's get out of here. Let's go see our families. Let's not kill ourselves the mm-hmm. night before a holiday over a game that has no but Im- you just go get your work done. I got I got my work done. Yeah. By, but it was not as it wasn't. It wouldn't be what it was if we had won. It wouldn't be what it was after week one when we beat the Giants. It's not the same amount of we didn't do shows on Monday morning. It was a Monday, but it's a holiday. But that doesn't mean we don't work just as hard. You know that if they would have won that game, we're not doing shows on Monday. You know that. And you know we would have left the press box at the same time. Oh, definitely not. If we had won, definitely not. I left like an hour and a half earlier than I would The stories were the same. Yeah, but there's more that we could have done. Like, I could have stayed... I could have stayed to edit Brian's stuff in the press box instead of going home like I usually do. Or I could have, you know... There's a, I could have written more blog posts, but I did what I had to do and here's, got out of there. Here's how I feel about this situation. You do play 16 games. That's your job. That You say about being a professional, they're professional. You get paid to do so. Now, being sit, sitting out of a game, to me, that's like a privilege. If you get to that point, not injury-wise or not that you're being inactive, you know, if we get to this point to a game that doesn't actually matter, but they don't. 
they shouldn't be getting reward or not rewarded. You don't get that privilege. How do you have a good season, even though you're out of the playoffs? Then yeah, we'd be feeling good. Like yeah, go ahead and sit down. But they haven't. Like you can't be okay. We're good. Let's just prevent injury. First of all, that's your job. You finish the season and that's it. Again, they don't deserve to sit out. That is, they haven't done what they needed to do this season to get that, that is reward an in ad, That is an admirable sentiment for, like, a high school team. This is a billion-dollar business. And what's worse – like, is it worse if you kind of admit this game doesn't mean anything and you sit this guy down and it's not, like, the fiercest spirit of the competition? Or is it worse if Ezekiel Elliott tears his ACL in the second quarter of a BS game eight months before the season starts and now we're sitting here speculating about if he's going to be ready? Like, what – Weigh those two things in your mind and tell me which is really worse. Yeah, but I think that that's the nature of football. The nature of football is that, guess what? When you go out to practice today, someone could tear their ACL. So so all I'm saying is if you're playing those games of, well, this could happen, then in football you you get nothing done. If you're going to play football, you got to play football. We're having the same argument we had in the summer. Right, about training camp, right? It's obviously football comes with some inherent risk. Right. But you can mitigate those risks by not taking them. No, when you, you cannot don't have mitigate to. those. Yes, risks. you can. Not they, really. They have to practice. Yes, they have to play in the games yes. when they matter. Yes, they don't have to play in games that don't matter. So that you only got forty six guys. That's so, sixty so, whole minutes of risk that you're subjecting yourself to that you don't have to. Yeah. I again, I, I kind of agree with Amber from the standpoint that you got you're paid to play sixteen weeks. And it's one thing if you've earned the right to – hold on. It's one thing if you've earned the right to be able to sit because you've gotten to the point where you've wrapped up everything you can wrap up. You are the first seed in your division. You're going to the playoffs. You've deserved – you've earned a rest. They aren't going to the playoffs. So play your 16 games that you – you haven't earned the right to be able to sit and not play that final game. And because of that – you got to go out, and you all going to play, and you should want to play because, again, you get 16 of these every year. And, and I get your point, Dave. I, I totally understand it. And if we come back on Monday morning and knock on wood, one of the major players for the Cowboys got an injury, it's going to be like the, there will be questions about whether he should have played. And I get all that. But I still believe that, again, when you're playing football, you have to understand that injuries are part of the game. And if you sustain one at whatever point, I don't think you stop playing the game because of the the risk of injury. You have to keep playing. You got to go through it. And if you get hurt, you get hurt. You deal with that. And I'm just, sure they all want to play, too. Oh, I, I'm not questioning that. I'm sure they will. I mean, Dak said, I'll be damned if I let the season end on the note that yeah. it ended on Sunday. Yeah. That's, that's fine. And I expect that from them. There are people above them. Again, yes, these guys are professional football players. In a, they're paid to play football. They're also they're paid to be assets for the Dallas Cowboys. They are paid to make this organization money and win football games. And in the big picture, I don't know that them playing in this game is in anybody's best interest. But I bet most of them will anyway. Like I'm not a, like I'm gonna be wrong on this. Like Dak's gonna play. Jason Witten's definitely gonna be out. Like and maybe they'll come out at some point during the game. Like maybe they will play it like last week. That's what I expect. I like. I expect Cooper Rush to be in there in the second half. At some point. I'll be surprised if he's not. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I would expect. But either way, like I said, I know that I'm on the losing side of this argument, but I just I don't think it's worth well, it. Well, I, I don't remember last year when they sent, what, seven or eight guys to the Pro Bowl. Like, I don't remember that conversation that we had. Maybe we did. I mean, do you, in this game? Do you hate the Pro Bowl as well? Because the Pro Bowl, I mean, think about it. I mean, I mean, that's another month that they're that they're playing closer to the season. Now, are they going one hundred percent? Maybe, maybe not. But sometimes that can be even more dangerous. I give no doubt. I yeah. give the Pro Bowl a bit of a pass because I've watched it and I know that it's a joke compared to real football. But I mean, if they wanted to scrap the Pro Bowl and just take those guys to a dinner, I I wouldn't give a crap. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. The Pro Bowl dinner. No, seriously, like, televised on on. A, nobody likes the Pro Bowl. And like, like to play in it. I give it a little bit of a pass because, like I said, like it's, you could say that, but they still get decent ratings for that. that of course they do. It's football. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, so somebody likes it. I people love to turn it on and talk about how much they hate it. That's, like that's, that's it's, like, it's like okay, reality guess what? TV. Guess it's what? like oh, I can't believe people that watch. Still this. matters. So yeah. I mean, you know. I, I would be I I would not mind scrapping the Pro Bowl. I I don't worry about it as much as other things because it's I mean it's two hand touch basically for the most part. But yeah, but as we saw in the uh, Pro Bowl volley, I mean the bo- the 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 beach rookie <laughs> Pro Bowl game. What was that? Uh, what was the guy's name? The running Robert back? 
Edwards. Robert Edwards tears up his knee. Like, it doesn't take much as far as, like, touch or hit or whatever. The fact is, if they're playing football, they're playing football and injuries that's, happen. That's why right? fights happen in practice a lot, um, just in training camp or whatever, because one guy's going 90%, one guy's going 75 mm-hmm. and you know, in the game. 75 gets mad because you're going 90. Yeah. Why are you going 90? Yeah, right? because I'm trying to make the team. And, all right. and sometimes that happens in the Pro Bowl because you don't know exactly – what level? You get this guy that's there for the first time. Everybody's like, about to show out. Everybody's favorite memory of the Pro Bowl is when Sean Taylor absolutely destroyed that guy. Which Bunner. it's a it's great it's a great clip, but at the same time, you're like, dude, you did that in an All Star game? Like, really? Well, the punter was it was a fake punt. Yeah. So right. hey, don't I just, try to do hey, a fake punt. Right? Hey, <laughs> Wait, I mean football. It's Sean, football. Sean Taylor was one of my favorites ever. So. Yeah. Yeah. He could hit. But, All right. Yeah, so let's go ahead and take our final break. We we'll do it a little early and uh, come back. We want to get some questions uh, from you guys. Give us a call. The number is 214-872-2102. Again, it is 214-872-2102. Or hit us on Twitter at Cowboys Break. This is The Break. Cowboys fans know that the second best of anything simply won't cut it. And your skincare should be no different. A longtime locker room favorite of the players and the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas-based Jack Black, is the number one best-selling men's skincare brand in the country because we make products that help guys look, smell, and feel better. Visit GetJackBlack.com Cowboys to get $10 off your first order of $50 or more. Jack Black. Look good. Smell good. Feel good. Official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handmade right here in Texas and have been on cowboys' heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit Stetson.com cowboy to find a retailer nearest What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, we're going to get some questions from you guys. Give us a call. The number is 214-872-2102. Again, it is 214-872-2102. And we'll also take questions on Twitter. Really good point. Cowboys break. Really good point that I saw on Twitter just now, which, yeah, the Eagles played all their guys for four quarters last year. In this, And won. And they won. Good for them. And it propelled them is that is that what happened yeah you can't it propelled them to a great offseason sure it did and a great following season i'm just (laughs) saying it did they flipped with the cowboys cowboys didn't play their guys and what happened this year that Mm -hmm. those damn cowboys Mm -hmm. (laughs) i knew there was a reason for all this now we figured out what it was we got to the bottom of it yeah Yeah. what nick mark sanchez was still the quarterback in that game right i mean at the end kind of yeah did you see Jones Romes? Oh wait, where's Mark Sanchez now? Chicago. Did you yeah, see? Okay. Did you? I see, did see no. that video. I, I didn't see the I whole thing. I just kind of saw it. it was in really. Passing. What it did was, he say? It's uh, he actually did a hell of a John Gruden impression. But uh, he came up to he came up to Mitch Trubisky. I don't know if it was like before kickoff or when. He, but it was before, right before the offense took the field, and he basically, in a very good John Gruden impression, was like. Remember, game day is not the day to try new stuff. He said a different word. He's like, same same footwork, same throws you've been working on all week. Like, just trust what you've been doing. And it was it was funny because he did an impression, but I was like, no, oh, yeah, like good Ma- stuff, Mark man. Sanchez was probably a pretty good influence on old Dak when he was here. If he yeah. got me pumped, yeah, it was watching oh, it. You should go watch it. It was cool. Yeah, I saw it kind of in passing, and I saw him at the end. He just hit his helmet and said, yeah. "Let's go," you know, yeah. and it was kind of cool. Which, I mean. 
People people want to give Tony Romo a lot of credit for being Dak's mentor. Mark no. San Mark Sanchez, he was. I yeah. never heard of that. What Tony? Being no, I'm saying fans want to give him credit for that. Yeah. You know, just because Mark Sanchez couldn't play very well, I think he got a bad rap. And I I've heard people that know him say how good of a person he is. I don't know him personally, but I've heard people say that people that know him say he's a really good person. He's a little goofy. But, I mean, like, just no, I'm talking but, about his the quality of person. No, he, I mean, he's a really good person. We're not buddies or anything, but he was always nice and friendly and professional. Yeah. So. Nick, you have a read for us? Yes. Go. Sorry. I was I was prepared earlier, and then I threw it away. But it's okay. Tommy John. Throw it away. Tommy John never takes a day off. It's still the best underwear you're ever going to feel. Eat. You get your money back guaranteed. Shop exclusive Cowboys underwear at TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys, and I am interested into this week's game because Dave was saying it doesn't really matter, but still, is it a Tommy John type of Sunday? You know, what I'm you, oh for sure, you like yeah. to wait till Sunday for anytime. Anytime you're going to be on a plane for more than like 30 minutes, it's true. Tommy John is a good thing. It's why? A, trust me, guys. It's a Tommy John weekend. <laughs> Just yeah, trust why, me on that. Eric? I mean, I'm really not a man. Yeah, th- tell me about it. Well, because it's just it's a matter of comfort. And so you're not having to squirm around in your seat <laughs> the whole time, like trying to adjust yourself. Like, I'm going to go get some. Nice. Okay. Depends if you're going to be in one of those um, uh, first class yeah. seats like you were a couple of weeks ago. You're, Every once in a while. Hey, that's good. You, you deserve it. With get a, a little bump. With a low of 10 on Sunday, I'm going to go get some like thermal Tommy John. Do they have those? I don't know. I don't know, but you know where you can it's find be out. A little hot though, by the time you right? You don't want to be hot. No, no, uh, that's the worst. No, you don't. Yeah, that's the worst. That's not a good idea. Sweaty. The great thing about Tommy, <laughs> the great thing about Tommy John is that it breathes. Right? You want to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Air out. No yeah, one Derek. Wants the sweaty sack. Air out. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> or sticky. <laughs> this is devolved. Oh, this is devolved. Really bad. Okay, so let's get to some. It questions. It always does. It really does. Let's get to some questions. We got a call from Jeff in Indiana. Jeff, what up? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey. What's up? Hey, have you guys seen the uh, NFL Network's A Football Life for Jerry Jones? Yes. Wow. Wow. I was born in 1979, so I was only 10, 11 years old when I fell in love with this team, you know, that early 90s. And I didn't get to follow this team like I would have as an adult. But that that little mini series there, that little documentary, did a great job of really illuminating what Jerry Jones is and what he's all about. Made me respect him ten times more. Wow. And uh, wow, it was it was just awesome. Any Cowboy fans out there that have not seen that documentary, please go see that. It's got me a, a whole new respect for Jerry Jones. But he's got to get a new coaching staff in here, guys. I'm sorry. There it is. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I'm sorry, guys. I feel like Jerry and Steven can go get this coaching staff, 22 pro bowlers, 11 on each side of the ball, and they'll throw away half their careers. I'm sorry. You guys talk about it every week or every year. You go on and on about, at the end of the year, how this coaching staff did this and this and this. There's a ceiling on these guys. I'm sorry. If we haven't seen it in, oh, in almost eight years now, We've seen it. It's 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 over. This coaching staff has a ceiling on this team. The talent is above the ceiling of this coaching staff. This coaching staff has a low ceiling, and that's just the way I feel. We see it in the little things. We see it in the time management. We see it in the play calls. We see it in all kinds of things. And it's hard to believe that there's this much money in this league for those kind of positions in this league, and there's not some young stud that's up every night trying to figure out a way to get Dez, Terrence, all these kids the ball. I'm sorry. There's got to be somebody out there. There's got to be some young, hungry. I mean, there's too much money in this in, in, in these positions, guys. I mean, come on. I'm, eight seasons, and this is the kind of production we've had in eight speech, seasons. Almost speech, eight seasons. Speech. This kind of talent. I think Jerry and them's getting kind of screwed. All right. Thanks for the call. And I, I don't want to – I purposefully say this. Yesterday I thought – Let's get into the, the, the talk on coaches. But I saved it. I know I, some of the fans on Twitter gave me a hard time for not talking about it. But I really think this is a full show. I think this is a full show to talk about 
the coaches, particularly starting at the head coach and then moving on down. And I actually want to have that conversation next week when the season's done. Ah, um, mm-hmm. and I, so I saved it. I <laughs> purposely actually, saved it. That's actually for smart because yeah, I mean, like we're we're talking like the season's over. Yeah, and I not, honestly, so. but I but I do think all those conversations are going to be had next week, starting next week, sure. if they're not already. And I think there are some some legitimate things that need to be talked about, not just from the head coach, but getting down to the coordinators and then getting to some of these position coaches as well. And I'm I'm personally not one that that takes lightly saying fire a guy. Like people think that this is this is like a, a board game, and and you just fire people and it's there are no repercussions. When you fire someone, even coaches, that means that them, their family, their kids, you know, the whole nine. They got to pick up and move somewhere else, and that's a big adjustment for coaches. And I know they accept that as a part of the coaching, uh, coaching lifestyle. But the fact of the matter is, I think people take it so lightly sometimes, and I don't think it's a light thing. I don't think it's a light decision. Right. And I also like to give benefit of the doubt. For uh, I don't want to just just make this conversation about what's going wrong because if you're going to talk about what's going wrong, you also have to go back and talk about what went right a year ago, and that was virtually the same, if not exactly the same coaching staff. So uh, again, I just wanted to throw that out there. We're going to get to that conversation and we're going to go in depth with it. I just wanted to save it till next week. I don't know if you guys have something you want to kind of throw out. We're not ignoring you. We're not waiting. I just want to wait because I think it's a bigger, I think it's a really big discussion. I really do. I'm fine with that because I'm not dying to talk about it. So (laughs) does that also, because you look at it like you see these, these coaches as people. And so saying it's a little bit of fire them is, is a much more that's a much more serious thing than just saying than I think fans sometimes think when they say fire this guy, that's, fire, that, well, fire that guy. That's you definitely can't think part about of it. it. No, you can't see it with that kind of mentality. I don't. Which think kind so. of mentality? The whole like f- thinking about their families and Whoa. you know they are savage. people. So I'm, hard. No, I'm savage. sorry. So hard. No, no, no. Because okay, I'm sorry. That's just the reality of things. That's, I mean, you don't hire a person just because of. What? But no, absolutely. But we but do. But we do. Like the, those fans. Those fans. And the, yeah, I understand. They don't care. They don't care. They don't go through the front of the plane. They don't exit on the front of the plane. They don't see what we see. And so we can sit here all day and say, "Fire this guy. Fire that." It, it's a little different from our standpoint because yeah. we're walking right past the coaches all the time. These coaches walk past our offices, and so we see them as people and know they how much they them. work, how much yeah. they put into they it. They see them as coaches. Take lightly. And, and I get it. I and and they shouldn't really care about that kind of stuff because yeah. they're making more money than they'll ever make, and they, they don't feel sorry for anybody like that. Even though the call, last caller was sorry about a lot of things because he just kept saying, "I'm sorry." But uh, <laughs> but you're right about the about the Dak and Lin, Linehan thing. I mean, I know I've said I think they need a new play caller. I do. I have said that they need new coordinators on both sides, in my opinion. But you can't ignore what they did last year with Dak and that offense and getting him ready because we thought at the time we thought Dak was one of the next superstars of the league. As it stands right now, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I think he's an average quarterback right now, and I say that because if you look at if you rank thirty-two quarterbacks in the league. He's going to be sitting right around 16 or 17. There's about 15 or 16 that are better than him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which way is he going? Is he going to go Russell Wilson? We've said this for two years. Is he going to be Ka- Kaepernick or RG3? Is he going to be Russell Wilson? I don't and know. And you don't know. And right now, we don't know. Right. Well, that falls exactly into right. this Twitter question that I was going to ask you guys because I've been seeing it all over again and again since the game. You know, the whole question about Dak Prescott and – where he's at and the future of this team and at the quarterback position and comments in regards to should the Cowboys be looking for another quarterback. I've seen plenty of talk about Mr. Kellen Moore. I don't know why that's even coming up. I don't know if you guys have been receiving I those saw, kinds of yeah. tweets. Yeah. Yeah. But I, saw, yeah. I, saw. I mean, it's ridiculous, but yeah. yeah. It is nah. ridiculous. But anyways, comparing him you know, to him, anyways – should the Cowboys be looking for another quarterback or thinking about this and giving someone else another try or keep obviously focusing on Dak and his improvement and growth? <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I mean, I think everybody's – it's not to lay out. I think there's, that's a big – no, like, well, how do you, no, you know, no, 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 no. I'm with no. Dak all the way. I mean, let, right now let, I'm on no, Dak's I, I paused because I hate that we're talking about this. Okay. That's like, yeah, I agree with Nick. Like he's, he has had a bad season by the standard of a team that's coming off a 13 and three campaign. He has shown flaws. His accuracy is not amazing. 
his his mechanics can go to hell when he's worried about pressure and things like that. Like there's all kinds of of stuff that he needs to work on. I'm not trying to say he was great, um, but like to just to just act like this like this is worth abandoning. Like this is just some project that went awry. I I just don't buy that at all. Um, I I see how hard he works. I see how much he cares about this. I see his demeanor and his presence. And in spite of all of this, like I have all the confidence in the world that he's still a guy that can handle that type of scrutiny, that type of pressure, blah, 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 blah. And on top of that, at times this year, i.e. when his running back and his left tackle were healthy, he looked pretty damn good. He was putting up numbers on par with what Carson Wentz was doing through the first eight weeks of the season. And I'm sorry, it is an excuse, but... I'm not going to apologize for him being better when he's got an all pro running back and an all pro left tackle. He is still a fourth round pick. That is what he is. If he was more talented, he would have gone in the first round. Like he's not Carson Wentz. That was never the argument. Like people who try to turn it into this pissing match, sorry for the language, like between those two, that was always misguided. It was, well, Dallas got a guy who's capable of doing this at a much lower cost, but Carson Wentz was are easily the better prospect. Like everybody knew that. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me to sit here, a guy that's in his second year, how many games has he started? 28, 29, less than 30, or maybe that would, whatever. You guys know what I'm trying to say. 30, 31, 31. It's okay that he needs a good supporting cast to be good at this stage in his career. It really is. And it's, to be honest, it's okay if he's still 15th, 16th when you start ranking him across the league at this stage of his career. And Russell Wilson was needed a lot of help his first two years. Literally some, some, wow, I almost said something bad. Some, some jerk on Twitter (laughs) the other day was like, Brady, Rogers, Breeze, Ryan, and Cam are all way better than him. I was like, of course, of they, course are. they are. If they weren't, now we've got a real story, Dumbass. right? What yeah. is wrong with <laughs> Seriously, you? No, that, that's so stupid. Yeah, it's it so dumb. And again, I mean. It's like the Garrett argument when they, they when people you know get mad at Garrett for doing stuff. And they're like, look what, what Belichick's doing. I'm like, okay, stop. <laughs> I mean, don't compare some guy for the you know even even LeBron you, every if, time. If you want to keep it more realistic, I would hope that Carson Wentz is better than he is based on what Philly yeah. gave up to get him where they did. This was never like if you thought Dak was the you know most talented quarterback in the history of the world, and the whole NFL let him slip to one thirty five. That's on you. That's yeah. never what okay. this was about. It was about. Dallas found a guy who can do the job at a really good. Balance. Okay, okay, but but and they got to develop. Hold, they have to develop, right? That's the, that's but the but hold on about that real quick though. That we need to at some point we've got to bury that because I know this. Tony Romo was not an undrafted free agent from Eastern Illinois after about a year. Yeah. That that that's out the window. Now you're oh, wait, better about about a year into, uh, playing, into playing or about a year. That's my playing, point. That didn't happen until that would be about it. year three or four I, in his I, career. I understand. Yeah. I understand. So I'm just saying when you get no. to that point. And you make great points. You're right. He's not Carson Wentz. Not there. Not there yet. He he's still lear- learning. He's still developing. But but he's getting to that point where we can't really make that excuse for him anymore. And I'm not saying you're making excuses. I'm just saying. No, I made a we, few. We need to bury that a, a little bit. He started. He's going to start 32 games this year. And you know, I I think he's I think he's tough as nails. I mean, I I do. I think he and I think he's the leader that you want on this team. Give him some more help. Give him some more uh, guidance. He he. To me, you can cue the to uh, you know clip all you want. He he's the quarterback for this team. I mean, my exactly. I mean, he 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 would be the quarterback. And there's no doubt. Do you draft a third or fourth rounder? Maybe, but you can do that just just to develop a guy as a backup, so you don't have Cooper Rush back there if you don't think he's the guy. But I think Dak's your quarterback 100%. Having said everything I said, I'll, I'll allow this. I mean, the honeymoon's over. Like, mm-hmm. you wondered how long it would last. It's over now with the fan base, if not the organization. I think, I think anybody inside this building still has all the confidence in the world in Dak Prescott. But you had a year that was up here and a year that was kind of down here. And, I mean, year three is going to be huge because I think if you don't see significant signs that he's trending upward at the end of year three, then I think this is a more legitimate conversation. Right. I guess my point is I haven't seen enough in year two that scares me that he's not going to be trending up. But I, I just I, – I have all the confidence. I, in I would like to get him – I don't know if I've ever said this. I'd like to get him like a speed receiver or something to help him a little bit more. Maybe. Yeah, just somebody that can go. That's a new idea. Hey, they, they signed one, they we'll signed one off the practice squad. We'll take a show and investigate that a little bit, so – they signed a guy on the practice squad, KD Cannon. 
Oh, that's a guy from Baylor, huh? He can go. Now, a little bit of, he's, he's had some issues now. He's had some issues. You can't cuss out. But he can coaches. run. Cussing out coaches is not good. It's not good in run. this league. But uh, he can definitely run. Let's take a call from Rob in Vegas. Rob, what up? Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. Nah, you stick with Dak. So, you know, he kind of reminds me of Alex Smith. He's mm. athletic, maybe not the greatest arm, but I think you could win with him. Do you need more pieces around him? And obviously, uh, uh, an Aaron Rodgers, of course. But you got him in the fourth round, and think about it. Yeah, the Eagles got Wentz, but we got we got Dak and Zeke for the same price, pretty much. So I think we made out okay. You know, I was listening to that caller talking about Jerry Jones, and you know, I watched that show too, but I had a little different take. Shocking. When when Jerry Jones bought the team. He was a young man. He was, you know, like you said, he put all his money in. And what did he do? He went out and got the best coach available in Jimmy Johnson, who won a national championship. And he used Jimmy. Jimmy built the team for him. And then he said, okay, you're out. I don't need you anymore. And then kind of muddled around with head coaches and then didn't hire another real coach until Bill Parcells when he needed a new stadium because he figured, I can't, I can't have this coach and this record with this new stadium gets Bill Parcells, gets his new stadium, and then goes back to these average coaches. I think Jerry Jones got used to being average. I mean, think about it. In 95, the team was worth $230 million, and now it's worth over $4 billion. Average. Hey, let's, let's, let, let me back up for, with you for just a second and hold on the line. I, I think you're rewriting history a little bit there. Uh, I don't think at the time when he hired Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson was the best, as most people would put it, the best coach available. Yeah, like, but he now, was, wait, wait, he hold was on, one hold of on. Let, no, no, no. Let me finish. At the time, remember, this was in a, a world where, by and large, college coaches did not have success in the NFL. True. So him going to get a guy that was a college coach, no matter how accomplished he was, on top of the fact that, let's remember, that it prob- there were probably people at that time that were saying, this is all about the fact that this was his college roommate and his college teammate. That's why he's hiring. This has nothing to do with the best coach available. So I think that's rewriting history to well, fit I, a narrative. It, Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Part of that. Jesus, hold on. Hold on. I think that's rewriting history a little bit to fit a narrative that now we think because Jimmy Johnson was, re- is a, it was a really good coach for the Cowboys, now you're kind of rewriting that narrative. I don't think that was the narrative at the time. I think at the time it was probably considered to be a sophomore move by a freshman owner. Well, I, I think you're, you're partially right. I also think, let's face it, Jimmy Johnson wasn't some, some bum. I mean, he did win a national championship. I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think the Jerry Jones of 30 years ago would not have Jason Garrett at his, as his head coach. I think the, the, the 70-something-year-old Jerry Jones being worth so much money, and let's face it, his team is the most popular. They're always on TV. His memory, he's never suffered from being average. And think about it, since 95, I think they're like 13 games over 500. So I, I, that's all I'm trying to say. So we talk about firing Jason Garrett. You guys know I'm not a Jason Garrett fan, but I think he surrounds himself now. He looks at it like, you know what, I like coming to the office and being around people I like. And I think that's – I'm not saying he doesn't want to win. I just don't think he has the hunger to win like he used to. All right, thanks for the call. I think, again, I think that is a very – I think that's the kind of comment that you would get from a fan who's – and it's no fault of his own that's looking from the outside in. I don't think and, – and I've never been around another owner because I've only worked for the Cowboys. I don't think there are a lot of owners out there that put as much into trying to win – as Jerry does. I, I know in listening to what uh, other teams say about their ownership and how much they are involved, and I have colleagues around the league, I know for a fact Jerry puts more time into his team than probably any owner in the league. I don't buy the idea that Jerry is okay with being average. And I know from the meetings that I'm in that winning is everything to this man. And just because he hasn't gotten there doesn't mean it's not important to him. It means that it just hasn't worked out for him. I know we got to go in a minute, and I wasn't even here for this, but, like, didn't Jerry just used to have the worst reputation for being, like, impulsive and just yeah. doing anything he could, no matter how desperate or ill-advised yeah. it was to get ahead? Because he just wanted to get a win. And All he could do is try to get a Super Bowl. He got murdered for that. So to now hear it, like, flip around and hear him getting well, murdered for being too complacent and comfortable with being average, like, it just sounds like one of those classic – you can't win. Well, he's he's learned over the years that you can't just just turn coaches around and coaching staffs That's around. 
I mean, you, you you need that consistency, and some of the the best teams out there are consistent with their coaches. They they they've kept them there. They 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 know it helps the scout. It helps you draft when you know what everybody's on the same page, and you can't just flip the script every every couple of years. Now I get it. We've been at seven years or so with with Garrett, and he's got to prove here at some point. Like I I, I agree with that idea. Garrett. Garrett, yeah, yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, he's gonna—he's getting to that point where it's like, okay, now you gotta kind of do it, right? Yeah, I—I—I I, I agree. I mean, he—he he definitely does. I mean, you can make the argument. We could sit here and make the argument one way or another, but I don't—I think that Jerry has learned that—that that just turning coaches just because you—you you want to and you wanted to get something better. You look around the league; that does—that's not really a recipe for success, right? So right. we'll see. All right, guys, we appreciate you joining us. I remember we are going to get back to that conversation on coaches. I will definitely bring that up. That'll be a part of our show next week. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?